Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. A couple of weeks removed from Easter. And, and Easter is, is a time, you know, that the, obviously we all, search, or we all remember the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. You know, and it's an important event. Absolutely. The most important event of history. The most important event of mankind is to know that there's a risen Savior who lives and abides on the inside of us. But you know what? When Jesus was raised, he was raised to a resurrected life. Go with me to Galatians 2.20. You know where I'm going. Hallelujah. Galatians 2.20. It says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Go with me over to John 14, 19. It says, yet a little while, and the world sees me no more. But you see me, because I live, you shall live also. And go with me then to Romans 6. Hallelujah. Let's just start in verse 8. It's kind of hard to find a starting place. We're just going to find one. Verse 8. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we also shall live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dies no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he lives, he lives unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I tell you what, when Jesus was raised from the dead, we were raised from the dead with him. See, that's the important truth that so many people do not understand. They don't get it. I was crucified at the same time Jesus was crucified I was crucified with him. When Jesus was raised from the dead, I was raised with him. It's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. You might say, well, I didn't get born again until January the 29th, 1975. Listen. You might have gotten born again. You might have accepted it. But I'm telling you, the date of your resurrection was the same day that Jesus was raised from the dead. You ever ever found out that you had some benefits and they were retroactive? Let me tell you, they were retroactive all the way back 2,000 years ago. As soon as you said yes to the Lord, that retroactive date went into effect and all the benefits that came with that date belong to you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 5.17. So what does it look like? What does a resurrected life look like? 2 Corinthians 5.17 is a good place to start. Hallelujah. 
Verse 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, what do you mean in Christ? means I have been resurrected with him. I am now in him. I was crucified with him, and I've been raised up with him, so I am in him. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Another version says a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new, and all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Listen, there's a brand new creation standing in front of you tonight. Hallelujah. Because I am in him. There's a resurrected person living right here, standing in these shoes. Hallelujah. There is old things. I have been delivered from a past. I have no past. There's an old man that is gone. The old man died. The old man was, is dead. The old man is buried. And a new man has been raised up. And I have absolutely no, nothing to do with the old man anymore. That old man is nothing more than a memory to me. That's all he is. The only way it can have an effect on me now is if I allow it. If I look back and see what once was and dwell on it and let it begin to affect me instead of seeing me the way God sees me as a resurrected, brand new creation created in Christ Jesus, that is who I am today. You know, we don't need support groups As believers, if you understand you are a new creature in Christ Jesus, all those things that everybody thinks you need a support group for fall away. They fall away. I remember years ago, somebody came, was coming to church. We were moving the old building, and they were talking about having some kind of a support group. Can we start this? Can we do that? went, why? If you'll just start living out of this verse... If you live out of, out of 2 Corinthians 5.17, you don't need a support group. Yeah, but I, I have issues with the way I was raised. Uh, who you has an issue? Which who you? Which you who? Does this, does this, does this new man have any issue? Does this new man have an issue with the way they were raised when they were a kid? Does this new man have any issue with the way they were treated by somebody? Does this new, what, well then why do I need a support group? I got all the support group I need right here. Right here. And yet people struggle with it all the time. And the answer is so simple. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Well, how about I fouled up yesterday? You're a new creature today, honey. His mercies are new every morning. You can start over every day. Every single day. It's a new beginning. It's a fresh start every single day because the resurrected man is renewed every single day. We're renewed every single day. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday. It doesn't matter how much I fell down. It doesn't matter how much mistakes I made yesterday. It doesn't matter how many times I intentionally made a mistake. Today is a new day. If I will just recognize it and just go, Lord, forgive me, it it starts all over. It's like it never happened. Every day starts new. So I really have no past. I really have no past. 
Today is the start of something brand new. Why do you need that kind of nonsense in our life? It panders to the flesh. It panders to the emotional realm. But I tell you what, that's not the real you. The real you is a resurrected you. That new you is somebody who was born of God. You're born of the spirit, not of the flesh, not of the mind. You're born of the spirit. And you have no reason to have to have that kind of assistance from the world because they do not understand what first second corinthians 5 17 says that is beyond the realm of comprehension and it's beyond the realm of comprehension to a lot of believers who don't meditate in this and let it become reality in their lives Didn't Paul pray that I pray that you'd have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him? Listen, this is a fantastic place to start. And it really is the place to start. Brand new, brand new. Never letting the enemy get get a hold of you to tell you that that you're not this and you're not that. And you go, what what, what are are you talking about? The you of yesterday or the you of uh, the, the me of today? The me of today got no problem with that. The me of today started over. You, I got, you got nothing. You got nothing, nothing, nothing. Listen, you got to learn when the enemy starts bringing stuff up out of the past. You got to learn to tell him to go talk to that dead man. Go talk to that dead man. You want to talk to somebody about it? You go talk to that dead man. That's why, I, you know, I, I, was, I was an adult when I finally got baptized. I don't recall ever getting baptized as a child. But as an adult, when I got back fit in fellowship with the Lord, I, I got baptized. And, you know, that's what baptism is all about. It's the signifying of the fact that I have been buried and raised up again. It's such a great tool to say. You, you want to talk to somebody about that? Go talk to that man in that pool. I left him in there. Go talk to him. I'm not sure he's going to talk, to, talk back to you, but just go talk to him. You go say what he... See, dead people don't care. I am dead to what he has to say to me. Dead to what he has to say to me. It means nothing because he's not talking about me. Do I have things that I really would like to undo if I... If in the context of... Could I would like to say, you know, well, I, had, I lived a little more perfect life along the way. Well... Yes, no, what, is it, what difference does it make at this point? You should never live a life of regret. Believers shouldn't have no regret. Well, I, yeah, but I did this yesterday. But that was yesterday. That was yesterday. Did you repent? Did you say, Lord, I'm sorry, and, dest- and determined to move on? Then today's a new day. It means yesterday means absolutely nothing. I'm a new creature, a new creation, a new kind of being. See, the world had never seen that new creation until Jesus was raised from the dead. Never seen. It was something brand new. The angels are mystified by it today. They don't understand. How can that be? How can this man, this mere human, be new creature? How can they be joined with Christ? They scratch their heads and go, I don't know. Listen, we know, we know, we understand that we are new in him. It's only in him 
that we are brand new. We are that new kind of being. Go with me to 1 Peter 2, 9. We're a special kind of people. Hallelujah. 1 Peter 2, 9. Glory to God. But you are a chosen generation. Chosen. You were not accidentally put into the family of God. You were chosen by God himself. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar, which means a purchased people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. You've been called out of a dark place. How many can say, I was in a dark place at one time in my life? I'm telling you, he's called you out of the dark place and into his light. How did he do it? Because he purchased us. He purchased, we're a peculiar purchased people. Hallelujah. In 1 Corinthians 6, 20 and in, in 1 Corinthians 7, 23, both places it says, you are bought with a price, and you were not cheap. God did not go down to the bargain basement to find you. You were not on sale. He paid the full price. The full price. The full price was a big price. And he paid it for every single one of us. Pastor wasn't double the price. He wasn't half the price. He was the full price. Each and every one of you were the full price. When you think you're not worth much, you better go back and take a look at what God says you're worth. What are you worth to him? The full price. The full price. The full price was his son. The full price was the blood of a spotless lamb of God. The price was the blood of a man who had never sinned. A man who chose to take your sin and my sin on him and pay the debt you and I should have paid. Oh, that's a price. That's a price to be paid. Hallelujah. So what else does a, victori- was, does a resurrected life look like? It was a victorious life. Romans 8.37 says, we have been made more than conquerors. More than conquerors. It's not enough just to be a conqueror. He's made us more than conquerors. Somebody told the, the story one time of, of one of the, you know, like Joe Frazier, when he won the heavyweight championship of the world, he was a conqueror. But when his wife took the paycheck from that fight, she was more than a conqueror. That's the way to do it, people. We've been made more than conquerors, you see, because Jesus fought the fight and we took the winnings. We've been made more than conquerors. Hallelujah. In in Colossians 2.15, he says, having, we'll go over there. You're close by. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Colossians 2.15. Hallelujah. And having spoiled principalities and powers, I've got written all kinds of stuff in here. Having spoiled, he disarmed, he stripped, he brought to nothing. 
principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them. He put them on display and see, 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 they're nothing. I have overcome them. I have put them down. I have stripped them. I have defeated them. I have cast them off for your sakes. He made a show of them openly. He displayed it for all creation to see. Hallelujah. Spoiled principalities and powers. Second Corinthians 2.14, it says he causes us to triumph. When? Always. 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 A resurrected life is a life of victory. First Corinthians 15 says that he says he gives us the victory. Listen, I, you know, there's a lot of old songs out there. I can face tomorrow. Listen, God doesn't want us to face it. He wants us to be victorious in it. Now, on one hand, I understand. I understand that. But see, I know how some people sing that song. Oh, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Oh, I can do it. I can do it. You know, on the other hand, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. That's not from a defeated point of view. That's not from a, oh, I'm just, I'm just burdened down with care point of view. That is a, I have the victory point of view. I can go into any situation, anytime, any place, anywhere with anybody and come out the victor. That's what he wants us to have. That's the resurrected life he wants us to live is a life of victory. Hallelujah. And then he gave us a new family. Tonight I've been listening to you. Talk about it. Listen, there is a new family we have been born into. Romans 8, 29 talks about that Jesus was the firstborn among many brethren. He didn't, you know, I'm, I don't know if the, if the writer could understand how many many was going to wind up being. But he was the firstborn of many Brethren, Romans 8, 16 says we are the children of God. Romans 8, 17 says we're children, heirs and joint heirs. We're not just heirs. You know, there can be, there can be a lot of heirs. You know, somebody leaves, you know, an inheritance to, you know, to their family. And, and they can, they're all heirs because everybody got something. Now, maybe Joe over here got got. $2,500, and Mary got $28,000, and Bob got $8. You know, they're all heirs. Ah, but it goes on. It says, we've been made joint heirs with Jesus. Joint, which means that everything he has is ours. We share in everything that belongs to him belongs to us. We've been made joint heirs with him. Hallelujah. And then in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about that we've been all put into one body, one family. Listen, we can look around and when we talk about family, you know, immediately we think about our natural family and natural family is wonderful. Natural family is important. But I tell you what, there's nothing to compare it to the body of Christ, the family of God that we have been placed in into. Hopefully our natural family is a part of that family. And when that's the case, then it makes it that much richer when we spend time with them to know that they're included, that they're part and parcel of the same body of Christ, the same family of God. How wonderful to be able to share in that. 
You know, I, I, have, I have family members that, that I, I know got born again as a child, but they're not serving God. And I tell you what, when we're together, we have nothing in common except for the fact that we came from the same house. That we were born into the same natural family. But apart from that, there's very little in common. There's very little we have to talk about. There's very little we can identify with each other in. But I tell you what, for the ones of us who have family, who are also part of the family of God, what a heritage we have, what common things we share, what common things we can enjoy, what great things we have to look forward to because we're all part of that body. And then to know that in in Ephesians 4, 16, it says that with the whole body has been fitly joined together. We've been placed in such unity and in such proximity to one another that we're fitly framed and joined together. I know it's talking a lot about the local church and that is it's, it's vital, it's important. There is such a support system in the local church. That's the way God intends for it to be. Not for us just to come in and just kind of look at each other and go, hey, how you doing? Nice to see you. See you Sunday. No, but for us to come in and look at each other as part and parcel of each other. If you hurt, I hurt. If you're blessed, I'm blessed. If you rejoice, I'll rejoice with you. If you're sad, I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to be here to lift you up when you need lifting up. I'm going to be here to, God, let God lay you on my heart to, do, to help you, to supply a need that you might have, to care for you, to be here for you. That's what it's all about, to be fitly joined together. What a family. That's what God intended. He didn't intend for us just to be a family once we get to heaven. He intended for us to be a family while we're here. There's no needs in heaven. There's no reason to encourage one another in heaven. There's no reason to support one another when we get to heaven. But we need those things here. And so that's why he joined us together into a family unit so that we look out for one another, that we extend mercy and grace and love toward each other. Hallelujah. And then what does a resurrected life look like? It looks, it looks like a person who understands that they are loved totally completely, unconditionally. That resurrected person lives a life that knows that there is nothing, nothing that can separate them. Go with me to Romans 8. Don't you just love this passage in Romans 8? You know, we, we, have, we have backgrounds, you know, and, and we do let things affect us. My mama didn't love me. My mom, my daddy didn't love me. Da, 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 da. You know, we, have, we, we come in with baggage into the kingdom of God, and we have, we have struggles sometimes trying to get rid of that stuff because we don't get a revelation of that new creature in Christ Jesus. But I'm here to tell you, it says, in verse, starting in verse 37, it says, In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for I am persuaded see this is where we have to get I have to be persuaded like Paul was persuaded I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels or principalities nor powers nor things present or things to come nor height nor depth or any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord, absolutely will nothing will separate you from his love. He will love you no matter what. There is nothing you can do to stop him from loving you. 
Nothing. Absolutely nothing. As human beings, you know, we fall in and out of love when it comes to relationships, you know. People, that's why the divorce rates are stinking high, you know. One day you love somebody, the next day you don't. You know, people treat me badly. I don't like them anymore. I I don't love them either. But I tell you what, God's not like that. When he set his sights on you, when he paid the price for you, he determined from that day forward to love you no matter what. Nothing will separate you from the love of God. A victorious person lives and abides in a place, in that place of love from his father God. Sure of his love. Never questioning the love of God for them. Never doubting that God truly loves him. No matter what they've done, his love is still there. Still there. Hallelujah. Then there's power. Ephesians 3.20. Let's go over there. There's so many verses you can read, you know, for all of these things. I just picked out a couple here and there. It says, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Whose power? God's power. That power works in us. It's not dormant. It's not stagnant. It is a vital and living, dynamic thing. His power is at work, not just on Monday, not just on Tuesday. Oh, Sunday. Sunday's a good day for the power to work. Yeah, it is. But so is every other day of the week. So is every moment of every day of the week. His power is at work in us. It says in Colossians 1.20 that we were strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. You know, you, somebody talks about, what, what's the power of God like? Look around. Look at, just look around. Everything you see was created by the power of God. The air you breathe, the stars you look at, every, everything was created by that power. That power is the same power that works in us. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you. If there was ever the, the highest power pinnacle of power exercised, it was when Jesus was raised from the dead. When God reached down into hell and raised him up out of there. Don't you know the devil wasn't just standing around going, oh, well, what are you doing, God? Uh, You're going to do what? I'm sure he was exerting all the power he had to keep that from happening, and yet God overcame that power. That's the kind of power that works in you. Hallelujah. You, you're not powerless. You're not helpless. The power of God works on the inside of you. The power of God resides on the inside of you. It's at work every single day on the inside of you. And it gives you the ability to do anything you need to do. Philippians, we, we quote it all the time. Philippians 14, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Strengthens you how? With power. With power. Ephesians 3.16, you're close by here. It says, Paul prayed this, that he would grant to you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might. That's power. To be strengthened with might by his spirit in your inner man. Listen, we used to sing an old song. There's something on the inside working on the outside. 
Listen, the power of God is working on the inside to produce an effect on the outside. It's going to show when it's at work, it will produce. When you're conscious of it working, when you give yourself to the working of that power, it will produce on the outside what needs to be done. It will help you do anything that you need to do. That's what a resurrected life looks like. Oh, and then a resurrected life is a righteous life. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians 5.21 says that we have been made the righteousness of God in him. First Peter 2.24 says that we've been dead to sin, that we might live unto righteousness. I want to live unto righteousness. We have a place of right standing before God. And that right standing came as a result of what Jesus did in us when we were raised together with him. Romans 5, 19, it says, By the obedience of one, many are made righteous. It took the one, but it was the right one, the only one. Can any other religion of the world say that? That because of one that many were made righteous? No. Nobody else can say that. Nobody else can say that. And then the, the resurrected life means that we live in a new place. Ephesians 2.6 says, We have been raised up and made to sit in the heavenly places with Christ. We have a new position. We're not... We're not going to be just earthly-minded anymore, but heavenly-minded. You know, when you can look down, when you're made to sit in heavenly places, that means that you're up here and everything else is down here. That's how you ought to look at Not cower underneath problems and situations and circumstances and attitudes. Don't cower down to anything. You're supposed to be, you're made to sit above all that stuff. That's the place that you view it all from. You know, I love the mountains. I'd like to go up there and just get up to a high place, you know, and, and just look out over the valleys, you know, and just, and just, just see how it, the higher you go, the better. Cats amaze me because they always want to find the highest place in the room. You may see, we ought to be like cats. Find the highest place. Don't be content down here on the ground somewhere. The devil's been been made to put under your feet. Under your feet. Not to have him yapping on your shoulder. You know, you all the little cartoons that you've seen over the years. You got an angel sitting up here and the devil's sitting up here and one's talking here. That is not his place. His place is down here. He got no business on my shoulder. He got no business standing on my head. He's not going to be no business, you know, tweeting in my ear. He is under my feet under my feet you know it talks about the that the earth being made his footstool you know that's that's really you know you just you just need to sit down and rest and know that you're gonna prop your little feet up on the devil the only thing he's good for is a resting place just rest your feet right there you know that's it we have been made to sit in heavenly places the resurrected life means that we have a new access Romans 5.2. You're close by. Romans 5.2. It says, by whom? Well, let's just start in verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? 
by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We stand and we rejoice. Our access place is a place of rejoicing. Isn't that wonderful? When you know your place, you can just stand there and just rejoice, 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 rejoice. You ever had somebody, don't you know your place? You ever had anybody say something like that? Uh, you're out of place. You're out of order. No, 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 no. I know my place. My place is right here. And my place is a place of rejoicing. Ephesians 2, 14. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Starting in verse 14, it says, He is our peace who has made both one, and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of two one new man, so making peace. See, the job that Jesus came to do was to make it so that we were joined with God. He's that middle ground we're joined into. Ah, and because of that, we have access. Hebrews 4.16 talks about coming boldly to the throne of grace. Who comes boldly? The person who's righteous. The person who has confidence in who they are. That's the person who comes boldly to the throne of grace. I have a right to be here. I have access to the throne of God. I have access to the Father's ear. I have access to his provision. I have access to anything I need because of Jesus. That's the resurrected man. That's the resurrected life that we live. And he is, he's made us resurrected people into, into people of light. We read this in a while ago, but he's delivered us out of darkness and into his light. Ephesians 5, 8 says, ye were darkness, now you are light. Listen, God needs us to be the light so that somebody can follow the light and, and know where to go. You know, what does a light do? It gives illumination to somebody who needs to know which direction to go. Do you know that you are that? You as a resurrected person are somebody's light. You are the person who is holding forth the flashlight, basically, saying, come this way, come this way, come this way. Somebody is out there in darkness trying to find their way around. They're out there trying to, to figure out which way to go. They're just, they're searching. There are people are all over who are searching everywhere for something. They don't know what it is. And yet somebody comes into a dark place and puts a little bit of light and they go immediately to the light. That's what we are. The resurrected people are people of light. People that will draw others into the light and share the light with them. So they become beacons as well of that same light. Hallelujah. Then the resurrected man puts on new clothes. Go to Ephesians 6. 13, 
or six, we'll start in verse 11. It says, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities, powers, against the rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Therefore, take unto you the whole armor that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand to stand. Listen, he wants you to stand in this world. Stand tall. T- stand strong. Don't stand bowed over. Don't stand like you, you know, don't want somebody to notice you. You stand strong. Hallelujah. How? Stand therefore having your loins girt with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod the preparation of the gospel of peace and above all taking the shield of faith where you will be able to, to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. He has equipped the resurrected man to live in this life. Will you have all the equipment you need? When people say, well, God won't put more on me than I'm going to bear, so I guess I can bear this. Listen, God looks at you knowing that you have more ability than you think you have. But so your thinking needs to get in line with his thinking. And you need to understand that anything that comes your way, you have the ability to stand in the face of it and come out victorious. Didn't the three Hebrew children go into the fire? And the three Hebrew children came out of the fire. And they came out not only unburnt, but without even the smell of smoke on them. You ever been around a campfire? And, I mean, you didn't get that close to the dumb fire. And you come in the house and you smell like a fire. How is it possible for three Hebrew children to go into a fire that was seven times hotter than it had ever been and come out without even the smell of smoke? That's how you and I are supposed to live the resurrected life. No matter what the enemy throws it. I don't care what he heats up, how much he heats it up. I don't care what he does. We can come out smelling like a rose, not like a fire. Hallelujah. You know, Galatians 5.22 He has given us a new perspective on things. When we begin to to act like God, because God lives in us. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit, that is the recreated human spirit, this is what he has put on the inside of you, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, Faith, meekness, temperance. Listen, if you take these things that reside on the inside of you, don't say, you know, I don't have this. You do have it. You're born again. You do have these things on the inside of you. You need to take these things and develop them. Learn to make them bigger than they are already. There's a place we can walk in more love. We can walk in more joy. We can walk in more peace. We can walk in more long-suffering. We can walk in more gentleness. You know, so many of these things, as they, we develop them in our lives, cause us to be able to get a new perspective when we're dealing with other people. When we begin to, to take these things and let them blossom in our lives, we begin to see people the way God sees them. We begin to treat people the way God treats them. It becomes, not goes from just thought, it goes into action then. You see, we have to have compassion. Did God not have compassion on you? 
We have to have compassion for each other. We have to be willing to say, okay, I'm just going to walk in love. I don't care. I don't care what you do. I don't care if you understand what you know that you're being a jerk. I don't care if you even understand that you've done something to offend me or whatever. I choose not to be offended. I choose to walk in love. I choose to to count, count on God to bless you no matter whether you ever ask me to forgive you or not. See, there's where the love walk comes in. It's not just for your benefit. It's for the benefit of somebody else as well. See, we get to where we can look at people the way God looks at them and seeing something that's behind what we can see with our natural eyes that's affecting them and causing them to be like they are, then we can look past what they're doing and see them the way God sees them, and then we can be a blessing to them. We can pray for them and give God access to their lives. Isn't that true? Hallelujah. So a resurrected life. It's one that's full of these things, full of a perspective that comes only from God. And then the resurrection, oh, well, there's, there's, there's several more. You know, there's power. You know, we, we, we all know that power has been given to us. Didn't they say, he say over, over in, in Acts, you know, don't go, go to Jerusalem, but don't leave till you've been endued with power. That's the Holy Spirit. There's power coming, power to live, power to serve, power to minister. You know, that kind of power, we've got to have it. We've got to have it. But, you know, Pastor was talking about on Sunday, one of the the biggest things I see in a resurrected life is the help of the one who lives, that Holy Spirit who lives on the inside, that new, that new comforter that Jesus sent to us, the one who was just like him, who's present with us at all times in everything. He's on the inside of us. He's that one who's been called alongside to help, and we need to put him to work. The resurrected life lets that, that one that, who is the Holy Spirit work in us every single day. We need to get to the place where we depend on him completely. You know, in natural things, when you look at somebody and say, well, you know, you're just, a, you're just an enabler. That's not necessarily a good compliment because that means that, what that usually means is that, is that we see that person as somebody who keeps somebody else from actually dealing with things that they need to deal with. But see, the Holy Spirit wants to deal with, deal with those things for us. He, he, is, he wants to become the ultimate enabler. He wants us to depend on him at all times. He wants us to always go to him, to look to him, to consult him, to ask him, to be willing to listen to him. See, I know he's talking a lot of times and somebody's not listening. Anybody been there besides me? I recognize he's talking and I don't want to hear it. But you see, when, when we get to a place where we decide as a resurrected being, a new creature in Christ Jesus, that we are willing to give ear to and give our hearts to the one who's giving us direction and follow it no matter what. Because he's got the best thing in mind. There is no way that God has ever planned or ordained anything in our lives but victory.
but good things. He gives us to us abundantly above all we could ask or think. The plan he has laid out for us exceeds anything we could possibly come up with. So the resurrected man lives just like all these things we've been talking about tonight. Hallelujah. Are you a resurrected man tonight? Can you live the resurrected life? Of course you can. You're ordained and destined to live in a place where resurrection life flows out of you all the time. We just need to give it the opportunity. Give ourselves to it. Be willing to go with it wherever it takes us. Because I tell you, there's some adventures out there that God wants us to experience. He doesn't want us to just go through life and just when it's all said and done, go, well, that was nice. He wants us to get to heaven going, yay, that was fun. (laughs) That's what it ought to be. The resurrected life ought to be one of great joy, great satisfaction great contentment and great peace. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.